Good afternoon and welcome everyone to today's symposium called Beyond COVID-19, Recommendations from Five Years of Policy Research in Egypt and Directions for the Future. We're delighted to have all of you today. My name is Lina Abdel Fateh. I'm a senior research assistant at IFPRI, and I will be your master of ceremony for today's symposium. Before we start, I'd like to remind our audience that real-time simultaneous translation is available in both English and Arabic. Please click interpretation at the bottom of your screen and choose the language you prefer. To see the interpretation option, please make sure you have the latest version of Zoom installed on your PC. The event today presents key findings and policy recommendations based on research and capacity building activities conducted by IFPRI and its Egyptian partners under the USAID funded project entitled Evaluating Impact and Building Capacity. Today's symposium is held in partnership with the USAID, the Egyptian Ministry of Agriculture and Land Reclamation, and the Egyptian Ministry of Planning and Economic Development. And I would like to thank them for their collaboration. During the various sessions today, we will discuss Egypt's post-COVID-19 development agenda and present digital monitoring tools and identify directions for future policy research collaborations related to agriculture, food, nutrition, health, and social protection. We will start with high-level opening remarks, followed by three sessions, during which leading FP researchers will present key project findings. And once presentations have concluded, we'll give the floor to a diverse set of our policy stakeholders and then to the Q&A. For the sake of time, the moderators will only introduce the speakers by their names and affiliations, and more detailed bios will be posted in the post-symposium proceedings. We're eager to address your questions, so please participate in the Q&A session by submitting your questions in the Q&A chat box. Given the number of attendees we have, we may not be able to address all your questions during the Q&A session, but please be sure to incorporate answers to your questions in the post-symposium proceedings. I'd like to remind our speakers to please stay within their allotted time to ensure that we have as much time of interaction with our audience. With that, I now turn over to the opening remarks and give the floor to Dr. Clemens Sanger, who is the country program leader for IFPRI Egypt and who will moderate the opening session. Clemens, the floor is yours. Thank you, Elena. Dear Excellencies, panelists, colleagues, and everyone who is joining us today in Egypt and from around the world. Welcome to our opening session, Impact of Policy Research and Lessons for Post-COVID Development. The COVID-19 pandemic is a strong reminder of the important role that research plays for our societies and our countries. It has been researchers that have identified protective measures against COVID it has been researchers that are developing new vaccines in record time. And researchers are also playing an important role in sharing international experiences on how to handle the ongoing pandemic. There are many other examples where research provides solutions to help policymakers to take what are often very difficult decisions. In Egypt, Research has helped policymakers to design economic and other reform programs, energy and food subsidy reforms, the introduction and expansion of Takafu and Karama, policies and campaigns to address the double burden of malnutrition, 
and the development of digital databases and tool estimating the impact of COVID-19 on the Egyptian economy and people and many other examples. I am proud that IFPRI together with our national and international partners could make a contribution to Egypt's continued reform process. I take this opportunity to personally thank Your Excellency, Dr. Halla, Your Excellency, Dr. Nivin, and Dr. Saad for the friendly, trustful, and productive collaboration over the past few years. And many thanks to Nasreddin and all our other national and international partners. And thanks to Leslie Reed and her team at USAID for funding and supporting the EIBC project. That brings us to our very distinguished panel today. It is my great pleasure to first give the floor to Your Excellency, Dr. Hala El Said, the Minister of Planning and Economic Development of Egypt. Dr. Halla, the floor is yours. Thank you, Clemens. Um, Your Excellencies, my colleagues, Dr. Said Al Qusayr and Dr. Nadine Qabesh, uh, senior representatives of ISPRI, of FAO, and of USAID, distinguished guests, ladies and gentlemen. It gives me great pleasure to be among you here today. Thanks to uh, IFPRI and the USAID for organizing this seminar, which actually comes at the perfect time to reflect on the Egyptian response to the pandemic and to reflect on the multiple partnerships that have occurred over the past year between the government, IFPRI and USAID, which tackled a number of issues such as food security and rural and income growth in Egypt. Additionally, as you all know, and as Clements have mentioned, the ministry has collaborated with EFPRI to produce two research notes this year, and the process was very smooth and very efficient. So I'm looking forward to this fruitful discussion and to reflect on this success and to discuss the way forward. EFPRI, of course, has been one of the very active and supportive research institutes during the crisis. We were able to capitalize on the analytical modeling and forecasting capabilities of EFPRI and uh, the Ministry of Planning, of course, and we produced two policy notes that analyze the impact of the crisis on Egypt growth with a forecast for the future. This kind of research has been very helpful, not only on providing robust forecasts, but also in affirming the, the importance of the fiscal and monetary stimulus packages and policies that guided the government towards continuing its effort of stimulating the economy at times of crisis. The research is the anchor to which policymakers base their decisions in order to steer the economy in the needed direction. A few examples of how research could support us in the post-COVID-19 was basically to identify the main challenges, to explore the economy's productive capacity and the industries with the untapped potential, and studying the impacts of different social policies on income, consumption, and poverty rates in the most vulnerable uh, segments of the population during the coming period, and of course, to prioritize accordingly the policies that we need. This year has been unexceptional on many fronts, and these exceptions have provided several lessons for us as policymakers, which and 
uh, which I can summarize in the following points. It needed proactive and quick policy response to the crisis. Transparency was crucial. We needed decisive leadership and effective communication. It uh, emphasized the importance of digitalization and the digital economy. And of course, the significance of increasing Egypt's productive capacity and the independence uh, and the in independence to ensure the production of our essential goods. And of course, it emphasized the policies that Egypt had adopted in the area of social security. In a health crisis like this, the time factors, the time factor becomes more even critical. Therefore, the Egyptian government adopted a proactive strategy early on, taking all the necessary measures to mitigate the negative impact of this crisis on the most vulnerable segments of the population. Since uh, the 24th of February, since we uh, started the crisis management, up till now, the government has enacted more than 448 policies targeting all social groups and social sectors. And this is, uh, at, uh, is on the website and the policy tracker website of the ministry, where we have the policy tracker to track all policies that the government has issued. Uh, also, the transparency uh, uh, and uh, decisive leadership, uh, effective communication was very uh, crucial. And this was and still is a crisis, as a crisis requires always public uh, support and, of course, a public engagement uh, in order to contain these measures. The, the government's approach was a, a continuous communication to the public. The, the government reflected its belief in transparency by several ways, such as the prime minister's frequent press releases uh, at which he disclosed all the government's plan uh, to contain the virus and accordingly to engage the public in all policies in the future. Uh, we communicated with all, uh, as I said, different type of government measures in order to uh, have this uh, uh, publicly announced. And as I said, all this was at the ministry's uh, uh, website. The other thing is the importance uh, of the digital economy. The world, I think all the, the countries of the world after the pandemic uh, uh, acknowledged and uh, emphasized the role of digitalization. Of course, we all know the, the role of digitalization and the importance of this role. However, it needs an accelerator. The crisis uh, uh, with this human uh, crisis that affected all the human uh, kind, uh, there was an accelerator. A need to accelerate all the efforts in the digitalization. So uh, um, the world has understood this, of course. So first, the employment of digitalization and technology was essential in order to enhance the preparedness for the timely, effective response to any outbreak. Uh, technology was a uh, savior of the year uh, for, uh, from the health perspective in terms of minimizing all human contact through online payments, e-commerce, online teaching, and thanks to God, Egypt has invested a lot in the infrastructure of digitalization during the past three years. So this helped us a lot in uh, conducting all the uh, online education, whether on the primary, uh, in the, on the school level or on the university level. Uh, the government is also accelerating its existing effort towards uh, uh, digitalization in order to improve its readiness for the second wave uh, of uh, the COVID. Uh, 
Of course, the government was also uh, uh, very much prepared in order to uh, ensure and secure all the country's needs from uh, our essential goods. Uh, of, we all, of course, realize that supply chain disruptions uh, hit on the global level, not only on the regional one, and countries realize the importance of increasing the domestic production uh, and diversifying their supply chain as much as possible, uh, having production deficiencies in strategic goods, such as ag agricultural goods, for example, poses a lot of threat to the security of the economy. And thanks God, we did not uh, suffer from any shortage during the past few years. And thanks to uh, the economic reform program that gave us the fiscal space to secure all the strategic goods that we need. Uh, following the same rationale, we are working on enhancing our productive capacities on all fronts by investing in capital goods that help us deepen our production further to achieve uh, our self-dependence, uh, whether in uh, the food, agriculture products, medicine, or durable consumer goods. Uh, the fifth uh, item is the pandemic has stressed the importance of social security. And of course, my uh, colleague Nivin will talk about this uh, definitely uh, more in details, but the government targeted many of its policies towards the vulnerable and informally employed uh, uh, people to help mitigate the severity of the crisis, uh, such as the initiative, the president's initiative, by supporting the irregular workers, by providing them with a cash transfer for three years to be three months to be extended to another three months. Uh, and of course, uh, enhancing uh, the pres presidential initiative, which is called Decent Life, which targets the less privileged, uh, res uh, less privileged rural areas uh, in the country. Uh, we have finished 375 uh, uh, rural uh, villages, and we are extending this to the 1,000 uh, rural uh, uh, rural uh, villages. Uh, also, uh, as you know, that COVID-19 has prompted a global rearrangement of priorities, triggering to focus more on specific sectors and activities such as education and health, uh, digitalization, infrastructure, manufacturing, and green economy. Accordingly, the Egyptian government uh, is continuing to inject more public investment in such uh, promising sectors, which will help uh, drive economic growth and uh, uh, ensure sustainable development in the coming period. We, for this year, uh, as you know, we increased uh, government investment about 34% during this fiscal year. Uh, ICT, transportation, uh, agriculture, education, and health by about 70% uh, to uh, increase in government in, uh, investment. Uh, digitalization and infrastructure of digitalization on its own is about 300% and higher education uh, to invest in uh, technological uh, universities and community colleges by about 100%. Um, uh, the other thing is, of course, we have issued for the first time a guideline for uh, uh, the environmental guide for all investment, and this has been approved by the cabinet. For this year, we are targeting about 30% of our investment to become green and sustainable, and we aim to reach 100% in three years. Uh, the other important thing is that the government lays emphasis on uh, localization of manufacturing, uh, of manufacturing with key industries like pharmaceutical, 
uh, and uh, uh, also construction in the industrial zone to support the supply chain in order to hedge against any disruption that the country can uh, um, uh, witness in the future. Um, uh, in addition to that, um, uh, the investments uh, go in line um, uh, in line with all uh, uh, our uh, investments in the future. Uh, as you know, uh, this uh, year we are working, we have been working on the past year on the structural reform uh, program. Uh, the uh, the structural reform program uh, has uh, three main aims, diversifying the production structure of the Egyptian economy towards more the real sectors of the economy, industry, agriculture, and telecommunication promoting and enhancing the role of the private sector, and uh, uh, very important is enhancing the flexibility and efficacy of the labor market through uh, more uh, uh, advanced technical and uh, vocational uh, education. The structural reform will help us, of course, encourage uh, inclusive growth, create more uh, decent jobs, diversify and develop production patterns, and uh, most importantly, improve the business climate and localize uh, our industry. Uh, I don't want to take uh, much longer than that. Uh, I'd like to finally to thank you again for organizing this session. We cherish and value uh, the cooperation we have with IFPRI and the support we have, uh, of course, of the USAID. It was timely, evidence-based uh, and forward-looking, which is very much aligned with the ministry's philosophy of its work and directions and of course, its participatory approach with the civil society, with the private sector, and with the different uh, think tanks. I, I thank you all for listening, and I wish you all a fruitful and uh, uh, successful seminar. Thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Dr. Harla, for your kind words, and also the overview of the impressive actions that the government of Egypt has taken over the last uh, few months. Now it's my great pleasure to invite Her Excellency Dr. Nivin El-Kabash, the Minister of Social Solidarity, to give her opening remarks. Dr. Nivin, it's great to have you with us and the floor is yours. Thank you, Clemens, uh, and thank you for giving me this opportunity to share with you the updates and uh, actually our insights regarding the, the impact or the baseline evaluation that was conducted uh, several years before and uh, for the whole team uh, and um, uh, much appreciation is actually forward to, to the World Bank uh, in, on its keenness to support us in, in social protection programs at large. And we're very keen at most to have everything with evidence-based policies. And that's why we conducted the process evaluation at the beginning. And then in the midst, we also had baseline evaluation. Uh, and then we also had readiness assessment for uh, education and health uh, services and how much the, the, the community is knowledgeable about it. Uh, actually, IFPRI conducted uh, the baseline uh, evaluation for us on our first cash transfer program in Egypt, our first conditional cash transfer program. Uh, and uh, we, um, uh, on the results, uh, according to the results that were issued uh, uh, by uh, IFPRI and the recommendations that were passed, I mean, uh, many things have, have been done uh, positive in the program, starting with expanding our Takaful and Karama beneficiaries till we reached now 3.8 million households. Our registration, our poverty 
uh, actually map or poverty database reached 31 million individuals, uh, coming to down to 8.4 million households registered on the system, which constitutes the first uh, poverty database in the country. Amongst these uh, households, we are funding or providing 3.8 million households with cash transfer, summing up to 14.2 million. So our first uh, issue was expanding the program more and more. And actually the program is becoming more and more flexible with uh, aligning itself with the poverty percentages in the country. And this was one of the uh, recommendations by, by IFRI about adjusting the proxy means testing formula. And that's what we did actually two times during the previous period, uh, once in 2018 and another time early to 2020, especially with the COVID-19. So uh, it, it, it actually provided us with flexibility to uh, adjust the proxy means testing in collaboration with uh, uh, CAPMAS and also with our technical uh, experts on poverty, Dr. Hebel Lithi. So we adjusted the poverty, not only on the poverty level, but uh, uh, according to the vulnerability assessment. And that's why actually the percentage of the vulnerable groups in Tekafel and Karama now reaches around uh, 36%. Um, going up from around 12% to 36. Uh, that's why 27% of those who are funded by cash transfer are uh, amongst the people with disabilities. 17% uh, are from uh, single-headed households and around 10% of elderly. So now the cash transfer actually goes uh, really to uh, the most vulnerable. The other part goes to the uh, people or households having children, which proves the investment part, investment in human capital of uh, the program. And that's why the, the, the issue of the welfare of uh, children uh, and families and, uh, provided with cash transfer expanded our vision from cash transfer to social protection, uh, wider vision from cash to social protection. And that's why we, we are diversifying our partnerships with the different ministries on the top of which were uh, ministries of health and education. Uh, Ministry of health and education, we provided them uh, with uh, our data on periodic basis. And, uh, and actually we have electronic networks established uh, between us uh, um, added to other uh, ministries like Ministry of uh, Supply, Food and Supply, and other uh, and Ministry of Electricity and Ministry of Petroleum to search for the subsidization of the different services within uh, a global social protection strategy uh, that is pro uh, actually developed by us. We are releasing, uh, releasing it very soon uh, in collaboration with uh, different national and international organizations. Actually, the issue of uh, gender uh, that is raised up in the claim in, in the evaluation assessment uh, that's been done by IFPRI. Uh, now, the women is becoming more and more uh, having uh, empowered, whether through having the smart cards and being the owners of the cash transfer smart cards. Uh, we have around 76% of our uh, beneficiaries are women added to uh, providing uh, 40,000 women with uh, uh, additional uh, food and supply points that is uh, actually uh, uh, added to their uh, food ration cards 
because of their uh, motherhood uh, situation, whether they are lactating or uh, uh, pregnant mothers, uh, added to also providing or aligning the program with um, economic development program, uh, which is newly developed to us, which is FORSA program. Uh, and that's why around 80% of our cash transfer goes to women, sorry, of our economic uh, development opportunities, especially when it comes to micro loans and asset transfers. Uh, we are aligning with Nasser Social Bank that is providing uh, um, loans and actually they're very flexible loans with very low interest rate and sometimes with no interest rates to economically empower women aligned with a cash transfer. Uh, there is uh, uh, additional uh, education support from the country's budget, uh, from actually the, the general budget, not from Takeful and Karama, uh, that is uh, going to children who are not supported by Takeful and Karama, but they are, they are poor according to our database. So now we started providing not only cash transfer, only cash transfer for uh, certain households, but there are other households that are receiving benefits uh, um, though they are not provided with cash, but they are provided with uh, education support, health insurance, uh, education materials, uh, though they are not being provided with uh, cash transfer. I think also, um, according to the anti-corruption and to the uh, strengthening the governance part of the program, we developed an anti-corruption committee and our, uh, stated exactly what are the indicators and the setbacks in, in the processes of uh, uh, having the, the conditional cash transfer, we broke down the system into many operations and we tightened and strengthened uh, the uh, governance uh, indicators. We developed committees, whether social accountability committees at the level of communities to help in uh, community monitoring. But we also uh, are in collaboration with the administrative control authority that checks our database periodically that has actually developed 40 databases of the different ministries. Uh, and I think on the conditionality part, uh, that's why we're strengthening the education part and the health in terms of uh, including all the vulnerable groups under the universal health coverage, whether they are uh, poor households or uh, street children or uh, people with disabilities, elderly, they are all uh, getting into free universal uh, health insurance uh, and coverage. And last thing about the communication strategy, uh, one of the issues that uh, uh, IFPRI has uh, actually grabbed our attention to is how much the community knows about uh, uh, the condition cash transfer and our outreach that it needs to be more strengthened and clarified. We developed communication strategy. We had uh, a strong uh, multiple uh, talented and, and actually diversified media team, well, not only from the ministry, but from outside the ministry. We had approval to release free announcement, TV announcements on different issues regarding conditionality, especially health, uh, education, uh, and disability. And finally, to work on the structural issues regarding the poverty of the country, we, we are strengthening uh, the outreach for family planning within a broader vision from the country to develop a family planning um, a strategy that is run by the prime minister and includes different ministries, including ministries of health, uh, um, uh, ministry of uh, communication, 
social solidarity and others in order to uh, deal with the structural problems uh, regarding uh, poverty. And um, finally, we're uh, actually we're repeating uh, and our collaboration with IFPRI in having another uh, endline evaluation for the cash transfer program. Uh, we have the pleasure to collaborate once more and also for developing a baseline uh, evaluation for FORSA program, which is responsible for the economic uh, evaluation. So I think the evaluation shed the light on many issues and helped us to reflect a lot into our policies, programs, and aligning our programs with other programs in different ministries and going down to the communities and expanding our outreach and also, uh, also focusing on the vulnerability issues and the disaggregation of data whether reaching the outreach or reaching women issues and the most vulnerable. So thank you very much. And I'm here to respond to any question or uh, inquiry that might raise up from the uh, partners. Thank you. Thank you very much, Dr. Nivin, for your kind words and congratulations on all your impressive work. Um, IFPRI is also very much looking forward to our continued collaboration. Now, with that, I would like to invite Dr. Saad Musa, General Supervisor of Foreign Agriculture Relations, Ministry of Agriculture and Land Reclamation, to give his opening remarks. Dr. Saad, the floor is yours. Please try to stick to five minutes. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Dr. Clemens. It's a, it's a pleasure, actually, to be here in such a nice and a very high committee today. On behalf of her, His Excellency Said Al Qusir, the Ministry of uh, the Minister of uh, Minister of Agriculture and Land Reclamations, uh, and uh, I would like actually uh, to welcome the Her Excellency Dr. Hala Said, the Minister of Planning and Economic Development, Dr. Nevin Al Qabash, Social uh, the Minister of Social Solidarity. And then uh, uh, Ms. Leslie, the uh, director of USAID in Cairo, uh, Dr. Nasr Din Hag, our representative, and uh, uh, Mr. Johan, the director general for uh, FPRI Institute, and your excellency, Dr. Clements. Uh, in fact, as been requested that I'm going to give a talk today about the uh, digitalization in agriculture sectors. So in that, uh, allow me to actually give the and deliver this speech in Arabic language, uh, and I'm going to be to be very brief and stick to the time. في البداية أود أن أشير إلى أن وزارة الزراعة لها رؤية في أن تحول كل قطاعات الحياة داخل وزارة الزراعة إلى التحول الرقمي الرقمي. وأن الوكالة الأمريكية الحياة منذ أربع عقود ماضية هناك تعاون مستمر مع وزارة الزراعة فيما يخص بالمشروعات التنمية بشكل عام وريسنتلي أو حديثا يعني بدأنا نتحول أو نتعامل نتعاون مع الوكالة الأمريكية في تحول بعض قطاعات في 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 وزارة الزراعة إلى التحول الرقمي أخذا طبعا بالأساليب الحديثة في العلم والتطوير داخل قطاع الزراعة ويأتي الحقيقة النهاردة نحن نتكلم بالأخص على مشروع أفبري اللي هو ممول من الوكالة الأمريكية للتنمية في مصر وأن هذا المشروع الحقيقة 
فإن الحقيقة كما تسعى وفقا وفي ضوء سعي الدولة المصرية تحويل كل قطاعات الدولة المصرية للتحول الرقمي وأن هذا الموضوع ليس الحقيقة بالهين في فيما يخص بقطاعات الأخرى بالدولة لكن التحول الرقمي في فيما يتعلق بقطاع الزراعة هو يعتبر تحدي كبير جدا في للعاملين الحقيقة في قطاع الزراعة والمتعاونين معهم هنا لابد أن نعترف بأن التحول الرقمي في القطاعات هو أمر ليس الحقيقة باليسير وخاصة أن المستفيدين من قطاع الزراعة من يعني يقترب نحو 13 ل 15 مليون نسمة يعملون في بشكل مباشر في قطاع الزراعة وأن أيضا الرقعة الزراعية في مصر اتسعت حتى وصلت نحو 9.4 مليون فدان على مستوى الجمهورية وفي إطار طموحنا لاستمرار هذا التعاون البناء على ما يتم تنفيذه من مشروعات فإن وزارة الزراعة الحقيقة تأمل بأن يكون هناك مشروع آخر أو مرحلة أخرى من المشروع القائم حاليا وهو ما يسمى بالإفاليوشن باكت أند بيلدينج كاباسيتي بروجكت كما أن الوزارة أيضا يعني تعمل على تنفيذ عدد من المشروعات الأخرى منها مشروع تجريبي بين مركز الابتكار التطبيقي التابع لوزارة الاتصالات ومركز البحوث الزراعية لاستخدام الذكاء الاصطناعي في مجالات عديدة منها الحصر الزراعي استخدام البصمة الطيفية ومساعدة المزارعين في مجالات عملية التنبؤ بالطقس وزيادة كفاءة ترشيد استهلاك المياه مياه الري التوسع في الخدمات الزراعية التي تحتاج مكانة بالإضافة إلى التعداد الزراعي والذي كان يتم بشكل يدوي كل عشر سنوات وتضمن استخدام أيضا الذكاء الاصطناعي في الحصر الإلكتروني الدقيق للأنشطة الزراعية والحيوانية الأمر الذي يسهم في توفير المعلومات الصحيحة لمتخذ القرار ومنها ما يتحقق حاليا في منظومة كارت الفلاح والذي يسير بخطة جيدة مع تطويره ليكون كارت مدفوعات ما يسمى كارت مدفوعات ميزة حيث تم تغطية نحو 12 محافظة بهذا الكارت حتى الآن وهنا أود أن أشير إلى أن المعهد الدولي للسياسات الغذائية أفبي كان من أوائل المؤسسات التي رأت أنه من الأهمية العمل في مجال الرقمنة الزراعية مع وزارة الزراعة حيث ساعدت في إنشاء موقعا إلكترونيا الذي يطلق عليه ايجيبت ماب تول ده يمثل هذا هذا المشروع الحقيقه وهذا الموقع الالكتروني يمثل بدايه بناءه لبناء قاعده بيانات للمشروعات التنمويه المموله من الجهات الدوليه المانحه وحتى وحتى المموله من داخل ميزانيه الدوله وان خلال هذا المشروع اللي هو ايفالويشن امباكت اند بيلدينج كاباسيتي بروجكت ايباك الممول من الوكاله الامريكيه من خلال اتفاقيه الاعمال الزراعيه وزياده الدخول كان له عده مميزات من اهم انجازاته الحقيقه اولا تتبع جميع هيبقى عندنا القدره اصبح لوزاره الزراعه النهارده القدره على تتبع جميع المشروعات التنميه الزراعيه التي تنفذ في مصر اثنين توحيد حافظه المشروعات بطريقه واضحه ايضا اصبح بالامكانيه تسهيل كتابه التقارير المفصله واللازمه عن المشروعات وايضا هناك ميزه اخرى عن تحسين تخطيط وتخطيط وتنسيق وفعاليه المشروعات التي تنفذ حاليا في مصر وحتى التخطيط للمشروعات المستقبليه
ايضا ساعد هذا المشروع في ان احنا نكون قادرين كوزاره الزراعه على تقييم المقترحات المستقبليه كما اشرت لتلك المشروعات بالاضافه الى تلبيه الاحتياجات الحكوميه وايضا استكشاف او وضع تصور عام لحاله الزراعه في مصر على سواء كان على المستوى الكلي او مستوى المشروعات من قبل الممولين الدوليين. في النهايه انتهز هذه الفرصه الحقيقه لان لان اشكر معالي وزيره التخطيط الدكتوره هاله السعيده التي تقود منظومه التحول الرقمي في مصر ووزاره التعاون الدولي والاستاذه الدكتوره نيفين القباش وكافه الجهات المشاركه في هذا الامر ويقينا ان فان وزاره التخطيط صاحبه مبادره التنميه المستدامه 2030 لن تالو جهدا في الاعداد لمراحل اخرى من هذا النوع من المشروعات وفي النهايه بشكر حضراتكم وبشكر كل زملائنا اللي شاركوا في هذا المشروع وبشكر الوكاله الامريكيه مره اخرى على تعاونها في قطاع الزراعه بشكل كبير الحياة الامر الذي ادى الى تنميه هذا القطاع بشكل ملاحظ خاصه في منطقه الصعيد او محافظات الصعيد شكرا والسلام عليكم ورحمه الله وبركاته Thank you very much, uh, Dr. Saad, uh, for your kind words and also for the good collaboration over the past few years. And we are looking forward to hopefully more collaboration going forward. Now, it's my pleasure to invite Ms. Leslie Reed, the Mission Director for Egypt USAID, to give her opening remarks. Leslie, the floor is yours. Thank you for being with us. Good afternoon, Minister Asaid, Minister Al Kabaj. Dr. Musa, Dr. Alamin, Dr. Swinnon, esteemed partners, ladies and gentlemen, all protocols observed. One year ago, I don't believe that any of us could have predicted where we would be today. And certainly the full impact of the COVID-19 pandemic is yet to be fully understood. But if the current crisis has demonstrated anything, it is how critical digitalization and e-services as countries adapt and recover and start thinking about a post-COVID-19 world. With this in mind, I'm very pleased to join you virtually today and to celebrate five years of achievements under USAID's Evaluating Impact and Building Capacity activity. Over the past five years, USAID and IFPRI have worked hand-in-hand -hand with the Egyptian government, think tanks, academia, and researchers to develop digital tools to better monitor Egypt's agriculture projects, to conduct policy research and economic analyses, and to inform evidence-based decision-making. Together, USAID and IFPRI also designed Map Egypt, which is a tool that will help our government partners better coordinate donor interventions and improve both the transparency and accessibility of data. Map Egypt is the first digital mapping and management tool that provides the Egyptian government with real-time access to agricultural, livestock, and food security data. Map Egypt is a great example of USAID's goal to provide solutions that are locally owned and will be locally sustained. And I look forward to seeing the Map Egypt demonstration later today. USAID and IFPRI also organized 32 virtual seminars and published 12 policy papers to stimulate policy dialogue and to promote evidence-based decision-making. As a result of these seminars and policy papers, substantial progress has been made on subsidy reforms, including the introduction of a cash transfer program and a fertilizer subsidy reform is currently under development. When COVID-19 emerged, 
USAID and IFPRI changed focus to help Egypt address the, the pandemic. At the request of the Egyptian government, USAID and IFPRI developed a multiplier model to estimate the short-term impact of COVID-19 on the gross domestic product, employment, and household incomes, as well as various recovery scenarios. We also developed the Egypt COVID-19 Food Policy Response Monitor that tracks key Egyptian government policy changes, and this has already been accessed by more than 56,000 people. This timely information will help public and private sector researchers track the latest COVID-19 policy and monitor the effect of COVID-19 on various sectors across Egypt. We're very proud of the critical research you all have carried out for the past five years, and especially so during this pandemic. I look forward to hearing more about your findings and your policy recommendations during today's symposium, which we expect will help inform Egypt's post-COVID-19 development agenda. Thank you so much for having me today. Thank you very much, Leslie, for your kind words and for being with us today and for your continued support. It is now my pleasure to invite uh, Dr. Nasreddin Hakelamin, country represent for Egypt, FAO, to provide your opening remarks. Nasreddin, please go ahead. The floor is yours. Thank, thank you very much, Clement. Um, Excellency Dr. Hala Saeed, Minister of Planning and Economic Development. Excellency Dr. Niveen Al-Gabaj, Minister of Social Solidarity. Dr. Saad Musa, General Supervisor of Foreign Agriculture Relations. Ms. Leslie Reed, Mission Director for IFPRI, and Dr. Johnson Swinnan, Director General IFPRI. Uh, colleagues, friends attending the meeting, I have the pleasure to join you all today in this important event organized by the International Food Policy Research Institute in its, and its Egyptian partners under the USAID funded evaluation impact uh, and building capacity project in Egypt. Evidence-based evidence -based policy research in support of public policy making is fundamental for promoting development. In food and agriculture, the need for policy research and analysis is more critical given the complex and intertwined nature of the natural, environmental, social, and economic factors involved in the sector. We are all aware of the importance of agriculture in Egypt, being a major contributor to GDP and a, a, and a key employer for people, especially in the rural areas. But equally, the sector has shown that it's facing significant challenges. It is facing a growing um, uh, limitation in land and water resources, growing population and land fragmentation. In addition, the sector has to cope with changing global markets and has to adapt and mitigate the negative impacts of changing climate. In view of the narrow natural resource base and in the face of urban encroachment on arable land and limited expansion possible in the new lands, the potential for a supply response in agriculture is largely limited to opportunities for increased productivity and efficiency rather than expansion in cultivated land. 
However, the potential for increasing productivity, efficiency, and diversification is huge. In spite of the constraints and challenges just mentioned, evidence have shown that an improved policy environment backed by improved infrastructure, investment, and appropriate incentives can help a great deal in reducing losses in health productivity and can lead to a vibrant agriculture sector driven rural economy. Among the economic, economic sectors in Egypt, the growth in agriculture sector has the highest potential impact on poverty reduction. Honorable ministers and participating colleagues, the experience of Egypt with COVID-19 offers lessons and calls for more attention to evidence-based policy research that can help in reorienting and focusing the development path. The rapid assessment undertaken by the three Rome-based agencies, FEO, EFAD, and WFP, in direct collaboration with the Ministry of Agriculture and Land Reclamation and the support of different ministries with contributions from UNIDO and IFPRI, that research has shown that agriculture and food sector in Egypt has been very resilient to the COVID shock. But equally, it shows the need for building back better in what is primarily needed for the economy to cope with post-COVID developments. While agriculture has some inherent elements of strength to cope with shocks such as COVID, the ability of the sector to cope can in large be attributed to the policy actions taken by the government to mitigate the impact of the pandemic. In fact, the Egyptian government response towards the COVID-19 crisis was fast and timely, encompassing a wide range of measures to contain and mitigate the crisis. The implemented set of policy measures, both at the macroeconomic and sectoral levels, helped mitigate the impact of COVID on the economy as a whole and agriculture and the food sector in particular. Government actions have helped secure stable and adequate food supplies across the country. Some innovative measures have been taken by the government, businesses, farmers, and communities, including among others as examples, expanding social protection, opening new export markets, better access to small farmer of small farmer to credit, increased efficiency in the food industry with some progress in digital marketing and an extension. The experience with COVID pandemic has clearly proven the profound importance of having informed, effective, and timely public policy decisions to deal with the changing nature of challenges facing agriculture and the food sector. It equally demonstrated the importance of the need for collaboration among relevant development partners in support of policymaking in Egypt. In this respect, I take the opportunity to congratulate the Ministry of Agriculture and Land Declamation for updating the Sustainable Agriculture Development Strategy and its action plan as part of the Sustainable Development Strategy of Egypt. The strategy has benefited a lot from existing policy research undertaken by various stakeholders. It anchored very well on SDGs and draws lessons from COVID pandemic. Excellencies and colleagues, in the post-COVID era, collaboration between international development partners to support policy research and analysis in Egypt 
is badly needed more than ever to support the government in its post-COVID development priorities. Building on these priorities identified by the government, I believe there are a few areas where collaboration between international partners might be more helpful to the country, and in the, in the, particularly in the sector of agriculture and food. Some of these I'm just highlighting here as examples. I hope I have uh, a, a minute to mention them. Area one, I think- Just one minute, for... please, Nasreddin. Thank you. Right. There is a need for more collaboration in addressing the complex food systems issues. And here in particular, more work is needed to address food losses, how to minimize food losses and waste. There is a need to address the long-standing issue of Egypt, high reliance on food imports. And here, I think three issues seem important to analyze, reducing dependence on wheat imports, potential options for flour mix of wheat and other cereals, and feasibility for expanded grain storage facilities in the country. Another area is irrigation modernization and improved utilization of water. This is an important area where Egypt has made good progress, but more work and policy analysis of feasible options is needed to support the government. Another area is land fragmentation, a major challenge facing Egyptian agriculture. More options for sustainable land consolidation need to be investigated. Digitalization in agriculture is an, is an issue, and I'm glad that it has already been addressed by other colleagues. For us here, we feel proud of the little exercise we are having with the Minister of Agriculture working on mobile application in support of agriculture extension. I take this opportunity to wish you all success in this effort and all the best in your deliberations today. And thank you very much. IFO is always ready to work with all development partners in support of the uh, post-COVID agenda in Egypt. Thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Nasreddin. Now, last but not least, I'd like to give the floor to Jos Winnen, Director General of IFPRI. Jo, the floor is yours. Thank you very much, Clemens, and thank you for your moderation of the session. The introduction and also, of course, of all the fantastic work you have done over the years here in, uh, in Egypt with your team. Uh, your Excellencies, um, Dr. Halait Saidit, Dr. Nivin Erkabach, Dr. Saad, Dr. Leslie Reed, Dr. Nasruddin Haag Elamin. It's a great pleasure for me to be here uh, today with you in the opening session of this important symposium. It's been a privilege, a privilege of, for IFPRI to co-host this with our partners and to work with you and our partners and to contribute to the works that have been presented today, some of which have already been identified and discussed by the, the speakers before me. And, uh, but of course, uh, many of these results will be and the implications will be discussed in the, the sessions coming after us uh, right now today. Okay, this relates both to the research contributions to the evidence-based policy advice that has been given based on this, and then of course, on how the Egyptian government has used this research in a variety of ways in its impressive action in response to COVID and, and to reduce poverty and um, food insecurity more generally. Um, this success, of course, is the result of many uh, people, many teams which have collaborated to this. And so in this particular, I would really like to thank in, on behalf of IFPRI for the contributions of the different ministries, the universities, the think tanks, 
local and international institutions with whom we have worked over the past years. I would like to start by thanking um, USAID in particular for their support of the evaluation impact and building capacity project in Egypt. And this project, this support has been fundamental to the results that we have seen and that we will uh, discuss further today. And I, uh, as Leslie Reed already explained quite well, uh, these uh, achievements has been quite um, uh, impressive, I think, in, in a variety of ways. Uh, I should also thank the Ministries of Planning and Economic Development, the Ministry of Social Solidarity, the Ministry of Agriculture and Land Reclamation, with whom we have worked, and uh, all the staff there for the trustful and fruitful partnerships. The Cairo University, American University of Cairo, the Egyptian Center for Economic Studies, the Central Agency for Public Mobilization and Statistics, and several other organizations have worked with us in uh, these achievements and the work behind it. And of course, I should thank our IFPRI team in Cairo and our IFPRI staff in headquarters who have worked with the Cairo team for their excellent con uh, contributions. And I think the Egypt and this, uh, the EIBC project is a good example of how collaboration between governments, international and national research institutions and university can help to improve both the analytical work, the methods, the policy advice by learning from other countries, by conducting joint studies and by capacity building. And clearly what has happened with the COVID-19 work, the research there, the advice to the government, the government action have taken, I think is a really interesting and very important illustration of how of the capacity and the power of doing research for an organization as IFPRI and the collaboration with the local institutions going forward. Uh, in the interest of time, I'm not going to go through uh, details on these things. I also think that a lot of these things will come back in the sessions later today. I just wanted to say that there's, of course, not only COVID-19, there's a lot of other things happening in the world, many challenges, climate change. We also see that since 2015, the progress that the world has seen in, in, in reducing food insecurity is actually coming to a halt and actually reversing. So there's a lot of things that we have to address going forward, including uh, more focus on nutrition and diets, um, how to create jobs for the youth, empower women, and protect the poor with sustainable social protection, as has been discussed already by um, the ministers who spoke before me. Let me then end by making a point going forward for IFPRI as well. And you may know already that in order to provide more and better work going forward, we IFPRI has joined the One CJR project. And uh, in Egypt, actually, uh, IFPRI is already collaborating quite intensively with some of the other centers, and particularly with ICARDA. And I really want to thank ICARDA for our collaboration on these things. And we believe that the collaboration with and the further integration with the research center within the one CGIR not only offers a lot of uh, potential for us as research institution, but also for governments such as uh, and regional players such as Egypt, because we think that um, that the country such as Egypt could play an important role in the growth of the one CGIR in the region. And we would certainly look forward to discuss uh, with the Egyptian authorities if there are areas where we can create win-win situ uh, situations for both of us. So to end, thanks very much everybody, all the partners with whom we have collaborated. Thanks again, the IFPRI team and, uh, their, uh, and the other institutions. And I wanna congratulate both the researchers and uh, the government of Egypt with all the achievements that have been made over the past years. Thank you very much. 
Thank you, Yo, very much uh, for your kind words and also for all your support uh, to Egypt and our program. Now, I would like to thank all the panelists now for your very inspiring words. I think you have set a very good stage uh, for what is to come in last uh, and next uh, one and a half hours. Um, Lina will now give us an overview of the rest of the program. Please all stay tuned. And uh, Lina, over to you.